A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week. We've got a very exciting episode for you. As you know, if you're finding us for the first time, please follow us, subscribe, do everything that people do on social media. Um, and we hope you're going to enjoy our conversation today. Um, I've got Anne. Anne is going to introduce herself. And we are going to be having a good conversation around effective communication for leaders. And that, for me, is a very exciting conversation. You guys know I'm all things about the workplace as well as leadership. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. And so good to have you. It's so good to be here today in Puma with you. Thank you for having me on the Change Conversations podcast. And I'm looking forward to talking about the steps to effective communication for good leaders. And you wanted me to introduce myself. Shall I do that? Please do. Please do. People introduce themselves on this platform. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, my name is Anne Visser. And I have been equipping individuals and organizations for well over 20 years to help them communicate in a way that aligns with their values. We like ourselves better when we communicate in a way that aligns with our values. And so I am a certified John Maxwell coach, speaker, and trainer with For Better Forever, which is the company I co-founded with my beloved husband, Malis. So I train and I coach and I teach in areas of communication and leadership, mindset, personal growth, and especially relationship. And so for over the past 20 years, I've been training couples and, and women in particular, teaching them communication and conflict resolution skills. I teach young people and students. I have a program called How to Avoid Falling for a Jerk, which has been written by Dr. John Van Eff. It's a fantastic program. And that launches next week. And I've had the opportunity to teach values-based leadership skills and principles to students in Paraguay with John Maxwell. That was the trip of a lifetime, and I hope to do that one again. Uh, and I've also been able to teach and train addicts in recovery in our local jail and in a recovery home for addicts to help them change from the inside out with personal growth and relationship values and principles to support their sobriety. And I have a membership for Christian women as well called the Sisterhood Journey Membership. And we focus there on the four lanes of communication. We talk about God talk, self-talk, which is really important, right? People talk and leadership talk. And uh, fun fact, Puma, I've been married to Malis for 42 years. And yeah. together with his family, we own a family farm on beautiful Prince Edward Island in Canada. And I... I'm the mom of five adult children and the Nana to 11 beautiful grandchildren. <laughs> oh my God, that is amazing. 40, how many years? 42 years we've been married. Oh, wow. Congratulations, that's amazing. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, and just thank you for sharing all the other things that you're doing. You're really doing amazing work. And, and I'm really privileged that I found you and you were willing to come on to our podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. And it's a joy to see you again. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So, so tell me briefly, um, from your career journey, um, what have you done and why has um, effective communication be, been such an important subject for you? My career journey started very personally. Uh, I was a stay-at-home mom for many years, and I volunteered very strongly within our community and within our church community. Uh, and then um, we hit a snag in our marriage. And it is why I do what I do. One of the reasons why I am so passionate about uh, equipping others to communicate in a way that aligns with their values because I wasn't doing it. And I know how painful it is both at home and in our work as well. It is just so painful. But we didn't start out that way. Uh, we are high school sweethearts. We fell in love. Uh, we married three years later after we were dating. And then I was pregnant one month after we were married. And we had five kiddos in six years. So really quickly. And my husband was new to farming when we married. He didn't know what he was doing. He often came home frustrated. So we had these external pressures that were pressing in on mm -hmm. our marriage. And then we had these internal pressures that we were not communicating well. We were not fighting a good fight well. I didn't know that you could fight a good fight well. And so, so we had this, this distance that grew between us, an emotional distance. We call it a creeping separateness. Um, and we wanted to get back to the love that we once had. And what I discovered is that the love that we once had, we, we outgrew that and we grew into a deeper sort of love. But it happened one night when I said to him, I can't do this anymore. And he, said, and he said, what do you mean you can't do this anymore? And I said, I can't do marriage like this anymore. And out of that came a really good pivotal conversation about, okay, so what do, like, where do we go from here? What do we do? And we said, we're going to get the help that we need to get in order to get well. And that pivotal conversation put me on a personal growth journey to learn how to communicate effectively, how to have a better marriage. And very soon after that in Puma, we looked at each other and we said, we cannot keep this to ourselves. This, we fell in love again. And we thought there must be other people out there who don't have the skills that they need. It's not a, we were not a toxic couple, but we, I would call us a difficult couple. We didn't have the skills that we needed in order to be good together. And we had so many, so many lessons we needed to learn about what is healthy communication. What does a good fight look like? And how can, how can fighting actually bring us closer together? And so we, that started me on a journey to mentor women and couples and to work with people to have healthy relationships at home, which then led to uh, volunteer work uh, in our local jail. That then led to um, being on contract with a nonprofit organization here that enabled me to be paid to go into our local jail, and mm -hmm. which eventually led to this business uh, for better forever. It was a nonprofit long before it was a business. 
we gave it away mm-hmm. for many years. And then we, um, I went for coaching training with my husband and uh, together we were certified and then we made it into a business and then invited very soon our daughter to come and work with me. Most of my work is online. I love the online world. I get to meet beautiful people like you, Apu, when I'm working here online. And so I just love this opportunity to be able to speak to women and men from around the world and to work around the world is very exciting to me. It is. I, I Yeah, no, I'm also enjoying the fact that you're in Canada, I'm in South Africa, and we've connected and and somebody will get something out of this conversation. So, so and define for me what is communication just at a high level and then take it one step further to say what is effective communication. Right. So communication is communicating is 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 sending a message. It's sending a message. So whether it's actually with words I still send a message. And so often, many of the messages that we send and receive back and forth to each other, there many of them are without words, but very powerful as mm. well. And so effective communication, I like to talk about effective pivotal conversations because we're having them every single day, but we're very unaware of the fact that somehow this conversation right here is going to create a shift for somebody. For example, the conversation that my husband and I had in our farm truck, by the way, it was supposed to be a date. And when I said to him, I can't do this anymore, that was a very pivotal, that was a big conversation that made a big shift for us. But there are many little conversations along the way where we have uh, some sort of shift in whatever we're doing or what's happening in our, our days. Effective pivotal conversations are those conversations where we're aware of the message that we're sending and we care about the message that we're sending and receiving we seek for clarity in the message so that there is no ambiguity there's no unsureness about the messages that we're sending and receiving and so there's always kind of that check-in with each other did i get that right what i hear you say is That's the perfect way to check in and make sure that we're on the same page. I understand you and you understand me. It's not so much communicating um, to respond as Mm. it is communicating to understand one another. Yeah. And, And I like that point because a lot of us, when there's any communication, we go, we want to it's all about responding and not and not the hearing and the understanding what the other person is saying. Yes, absolutely. And I do not understand why we are not taught these things in school. These are not soft skills. These are transferable skills. When we mm. learn them in one place, we can transfer them into the next place and the next place. So that's the very skills that we teach our children at home around the dinner table, those skills, or when they're struggling at school or when they're struggling with friendships, those skills that we teach, they're transferable to the workplace. They're transferable to our nonprofit organizations that we're working for and with. They're transferable to the sports teams that we work on or work with. 
Um, so they're, they're, they're so incredibly important and valuable to improve them. And I do believe it is a lifetime of improving and continuing to get better with these communication skills. And I think they're so important because at home, they help us when we feel like somebody understands me, then mm -hmm. I feel like I have a place to belong. And it's so important for every one of us to know that we have a place to belong with people who care. I believe mm -hmm. it was Brene Brown who said something like, um, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need for all men, women, and children. We can't do without it. And it helps us it to feel true. better. Yeah. So, and she goes on to say, we're biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. And that's what pivotal conversations do for us at home. Mm. But then they're also important at work, too. So they deepen our relationships at home. But at work, we need relationships too. We need relationships in order to work together to get things done and make things happen. And we will not succeed without the cooperation and the collaboration of other people with us to be mm -hmm. able to make things happen at work. And so I have noticed in the people that I work with and they're struggling at work with communication, it becomes a place, uh, like an adversarial place, like there's enemies and some people are trying to get ahead and I'm going to be left behind. And then we create this really competitive work culture where mm. there's a one-upmanship and there's superiority instead of valuing people. And, you know, most people, they don't stay long-term in a cutthroat mm -hmm. work culture. They don't stay long-term. Most people are going to lose their best people. Most companies are going to lose their best people. And then first, by the way, good people wow. leave first when it's not a good, healthy work culture with yeah. good, healthy communication. And then the company has to retrain their people. This is why leaders need good communication at work. Wow. I think you've just summarized it so well. And as you were, as you were talking, it reminded me of, a boss that I once had that I thought was such a bad communicator. Like you always just got it wrong. And, and, and the trick is communication sometimes is not just about speaking because in the workplace, there is written form of communication, whether it's on email, whether it's in a text or some other ways of communicating. And I had this boss who would just forward an email with nothing. So you never knew whether it was for your info. You never knew whether you had to action and you had to then make an assumption. And what will happen without fail is that you will make the wrong assumption. <laughs> Oh, my assumptions. So my mentor, John Maxwell, he says assumptions are the mother of all mess ups. That's true, isn't it? <laughs> we get into so much trouble when we make those assumptions. But of course, if the leader is not leading and communicating clearly, you're left to either go back to them, which takes time, right? And you're trying to make things happen and get things done. Or you're left to make that assumption about, oh, this is just for information. I don't have to do anything about it. In the meantime, maybe they're expecting you to do something <laughs> to move forward on the project or whatever it is. Yes. So, so, so it, 
it took a couple of, 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 of incidents for me to realize, oh, you need to go back and ask, was this for my information or do you expect me to, to action? Because I will always just make a, a wrong assumption and yeah, then it will go pear-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> you found a way around that and and that's interesting once we know our people and you know that about him then you find a way to move through that problem or that situation to be able to go back and clarify and i think that's so important i have a family member love them dearly terrible texter terrible texter i can never take what the words say for the truth about what he really means because it's, it's terrible. <laughs> and, but I, and, yeah, but I know that about him. So I can make good assumptions about his message and get some clarification on what the message really is about. And, and, and I think that point around the clarification is the biggest point. And, and as you say that, I also then had a client at some point and every time I would see his mail pop up, my high blood pressure will just go up because the way he wrote was always just, it was a shout. Like you'll be reading it and you'll be thinking, what the hell? Like, so I got to a point where I'll just pick up the phone and say to him, just clarify what it is that you need me to do. And then he'll just tell me what I needed to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'll move on. But every time the way he wrote just gave a different tone and the messaging would get lost in translation. Yes. And so we talk about pivotal conversations. The, we talk about the three C's for pivotal conversations. And the okay. first C is to check emotions. And that's what you're talking about. Your blood pressure was going up as soon as you got that message and you saw just the name, that was enough to make the blood pressure go up, which is why we say the first C of pivotal conversations is to check emotions. So important to give ourselves some breathing space to calm down because there's actually a physiological, like there's a bodily response to seeing that name in your inbox and we're getting triggered. And so we mm. want to get the body to slow down a little bit so that we can pop back into our thinking brain. So what happens is our, our emotional brain actually hijacks our thinking brain. It makes it impossible for us to think clearly and well. So we want to give the body a little bit of opportunity to settle down so then we can get back into our thinking brain. Oh, yes, this is this person. I can, I can get back and get some clarity around what this is about so that you have a better opportunity to have a better pivotal conversation than if you would respond right away to that email or that message, it may not be your best message moving mm -hmm. into that conversation. Can I define for you what we're talking about when we talk about pivotal conversations in Pumas? Please do, please do. Yeah, so I think about pivotal conversations where the goal is to create a shift or a change in some way because something isn't working. So. Mm -hmm. Those conversations are going to require either some degree of honesty or some degree of vulnerability. Those are a little bit different. And it's different whether you're at home or whether you're at work, right? And so I like to think about it as a wheel of vulnerability. My, my people, they're in the middle. So it's going to be my husband. 
Uh, he's going to be in the middle of that. He's going to get the most vulnerability. And as I go out, my children will get a little bit less vulnerability because children don't need to carry an adult's um, whole world, right? And then as I go out further, it's going to be maybe, you know, mother, father, siblings out further. And then out further, you get work. And then out further, you get the like the girl at the grocery store. They get basically nothing. They may need a little honesty, right? <laughs> you charge me too much for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they don't get the vulnerability. So I like to think about it that way because it helps me to think, okay, how much vulnerability do, does this person require? Um, in this conversation because they don't need to hear everything always but your inner people need more in order to feel close so when we think about that vulnerability I think about it as in feelings and needs then we're going to deep levels of communication feelings and needs that's why at work they're not going to get all the feelings <laughs> they don't need all yeah. that but they may mm. need some some honesty. The second thing about pivotal conversations is it's likely going to be a sensitive topic either for one person or for perhaps both people or perhaps a whole organization. So it's going to be a sensitive topic. So we know there's a little bit more at risk in this conversation. But thirdly, and this is what I love about pivotal conversations, you get clarity. You get clarity. You get clarity either for your own self or you get clarity about the relationship. Or you get clarity around the situation. You may learn some new information that actually gives you some more clarity around what is really happening in this situation. And so I love that about pivotal conversations. And so they could be small everyday conversations, but then they could be really big conversations. So for, let me give you a couple example examples. So like at work, um, it might be a conversation that you have with a team lead. Uh, in the workplace, because they've fallen behind on the deadline, and you're not going to finish on time. That's maybe not such a big conversation as it would be when the company is falling behind on the budget, and they have to readjust workplaces or jobs. That's going to be mm -hmm. a bigger conversation, you know, and so these conversations could be really big. Maybe it's a, a conversation. I, I've heard this again and again. A conversation that you have to have with a colleague because they show up late for work and mm -hmm. their work ends up on your desk. That's a pivotal conversation, right? Because there's mm -hmm. going to be a shift or change. Something's not working because chances are you need to stay late in order to get all the work, your work and their work done. That's a pivotal conversation. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is that we avoid these uncomfortable conversations. They are uncomfortable, they can be awkward especially when we're uncomfortable ourselves with having or approaching a difficulty or a challenge or something that needs to shift. But what I learned in my work in, in, in marriages is that in marriage, conflict is the doorway to intimacy. Mm. Into me, you see. So when I conflict, I not only get to see into you, you get to see into me. But then I also get to see more about into me and what's really happening inside of me when we have a good conflict. When we silence ourselves in intimate relationships, I have noticed when we don't speak up, then we create emotionally unsafe places at home and we set up the ground for more resentment. And that resentment mm -hmm. builds and builds until it explodes. It doesn't stay hidden. 
it grows and grows until it explodes. So we talk about keeping short accounts, but short accounts are good for the workplace too, because mm-hmm. avoiding conflict in the workplace is detrimental too. And I was reading a recent poll lately, and it said like 80% of workers run from a difficult conversation. That's really high in Puma. I had no idea it was so high. 80%. Yeah. So the problem, though, with that is that resentment that builds at home, it also builds in the workplace. Mm. It builds in the workplace. Because if you're not doing your work and I have to do your work for you in Puma, I don't like that so much. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and there's a day where you get to find out and it won't be a very, it will be an outburst more than right. a pivotal con- conversation. Exactly. It'll be an outburst. And we know that the beginning of a conversation impacts the end or the outcome of the conversation. If we can start better, we have a better opportunity to have a better end or solution. But here's what we know when resentment builds up at work people check out emotionally. We leave emotionally long before we leave physically. In fact, we start to set up the leaving before we leave for good. But we're already disengaged at work and disengaged employees, leaders, please hear me, disengaged employees, they do not have the, they're not, they're not interested in the company anymore. They will not do their best work for you. And so that's why leaders need to communicate so that they're having these pivotal conversations every single day. I spoke with a a beautiful woman. Her name was, I'll call her Julie. She was working in human resources for the same company for 20 years. She loved the company. She was a great lady. She was happily married to her high school sweetheart. She had two adult kids. She loved to laugh, but she was tired. She was tired because she worked in traveled frequently for her job with five different locations. And two years ago, she said this, my company merged with another company and I got a new boss. And now the company is leaner. I have more responsibilities. And she said to me, the boss manages differently. And this was her complaint. The culture of the company is different and I don't agree with it. It's not about relationship. It's more about production. And I don't feel appreciated anymore. Leaders, your people need to know that you appreciate them, that you care about them. She went on to say this. I thought this was very, very telling this, what she said to me. She said, I could have worked those crazy hours for my previous boss because I knew he cared. But I showed up. And now I do the job. And I thought, yeah, people are going to work hard for a boss that they know that cares about them. A boss that they know is going to go to bat for them. People will work hard for that boss. But a short time later, because the boss was unwilling to listen to her and to hear her her challenges in the workplace, she was carrying a heavy load. She left that company a short while later after 20 years with the same company. The cost is really high when we do not have these pivotal conversations or address these challenges that are here in our workplaces. Wow. So what do what do leaders need to do? Um, How do you how do you get them to be able to have these conversations in a way that is fruitful and 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 beneficial? Mm -hmm. 
Leaders need to get better at communicating and at listening to their people. So they need to get better at the skills of healthy communication. And the first thing that leaders need to get better at is checking those emotions so that they prep mm -hmm. and they're ready for the day. And so that their people do not get the worst part of your day as a leader. Your people need the best part of your day as a leader. And I think it's one of the most challenging parts of pivotal conversations is to check our emotions. I find the more I do it, the better I get at it on the fly. But there are times when I am so badly triggered, I need to sit and I need to give my, myself some space to think, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What is really worrying me here? What's troubling me? And then last of all, what do I really, really want here in this situation? It's not always what I think I wanted. When I go a little bit deeper and I understand what's really troubling me, I get to what it is I really want in the situation. I may not get it. I may not get what I want, but I need to know what I want so I can at least work on communicating that to my people. And by the way, this is good for all of us, not just for leaders, but for those of us who need to have a conversation with a leader, we need to check those emotions first too, to know what am mm -hmm. I thinking? What am I feeling? We may not express what I'm feeling, but we need to know it. And then what's troubling me? And what is it that I really, really want? It's really the personal work that needs to happen. So we're aware of this internal dialogue. It's like a ticker tape at the back of our heads that's moving through our heads. Oh, he doesn't really care. Oh, I'm not very important in the company. Oh, what good am I to the company anymore? We need to be aware of those thoughts that may sabotage the conversation before it even starts. The second thing that we need to check is our motive. You know, the heart check. Motives are slippery. <laughs> They're so slippery. Like I may think I want what's good for the company, but then I have this other vested interest over here. Like I want a promotion or I want a raise. That's a different, they may be competing with this in this conversation. And I need to be clear about what my motives are before I bring the conversation to the table. I think it's incredibly helpful to know what is my motive here. So that's the first C is to check emotions. The second C and what leaders can do is to communicate and clarify. You talk about some of the work you just did. This is what I'm thinking. This is what is troubling me here. This is what I want to have happen. And then you need to invite feedback from your people. And you need to make sure that they at least have a voice and feel like you care about them. You know, there's um, my, John has just taught me so much about leadership. He's taught me there's two sides of the plane. There's the competency that we need to have, but then there's the compassion that we need to have. People mm. need to know that you care about them. They need to know that they feel like they're valued and that you, regardless of the difficult conversation you need to have with them, that they matter to you. Mm. Mm. And so that's the second C is to communicate and clarify and then invite that feedback. And then the third C is to create some we solutions. Now, sometimes for a leader, that we solution is there's many vested interests for a leader and they need to take many different interests into account before they make a decision. And for yeah. the leader, it's, it's may not going to be, in, it might not be in my best interest 
in how the leader needs to move forward. But the leader can still communicate with grace and with kindness. We don't have to like it. And we don't have to like the leader uh, in order to hear what the leader has to say. And when the leader can deliver it with kindness, at least and compassion, knowing that they care about you, it at mm. least softens the conversation, even when it's a hard decision that's being made. Wow. I think those are powerful. And, and sometimes as employees, we always say, you know, even when the leader is trying to get feedback, if you feel that your feedback is not taken in, there's always that sense of why are they even asking? Why is he even asking? Because our feedback will never be taken in anyway. Right. And that yes. brings a different dynamic as well into this communication and pivotal conversation um, a space. Absolutely. And in Puma, I think we internally know that leader that cares and that leader that doesn't care. And they're just giving us a facade of, yeah, give me your feedback and then I'm going to put it in the trash can behind me here. And it's going to be just a swift motion here. And I'm not going to even give it. A, I've already made up my mind. But we know the difference. I, I had this pivotal conversation with somebody recently in Puma. I lost a contract. It was one of my bigger contracts. And the leader said to me, no, we have to let you go. This is not, by the way, she said, this is not what I want. Um, that's, an, that's, an, that's a helpful thing to say. This is what I don't want. This is what I do want. So, and she said to me, I, this is not what I want. I want to keep you here and I want to get you back as soon as I can. But mm -hmm. for now, the budget says I need to let you go. I knew that she was between a rock and a hard place. And I knew mm -hmm. that she cared. And I knew that she valued the work that I was doing because of that pivotal conversation that she had with me in the midst of letting me go. Um, it's still, it was hard to take and it was hard to receive, but we still communicate. Mm -hmm we're still in touch because of the way that we solution came about. Not in my best interest, but it was something that she had to do. And so for those of us who are receiving bad news, don't cut your people off too, too quickly, especially when it's good people. It doesn't necessarily have to be the end. Who knows down the road, one year, two years down the road, when I might be working with her again, my name mm. may come to the top in Puma because of the way I received that hard information. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. And, and where does, you know, we spoke about the listening part of it. Um, is there more from the listening part? Because I think that's where we, we battle as human beings. Um, we are quick to want to respond. But how do we create that listening skill? It's easy for somebody to say, I'm a good listener, right? <laughs> and we put that as part of our soft skills. I'm a good communicator as part of our soft skills. But what does that mean? Mainly the listening part of it. So, and it's, it's, I'm going to call it a hard skill <laughs> because you are okay. right. We are so bad at it and I'm going to call it a transferable skill. So this, this skill of being able to listen. And so something that really helps me to listen is to stay 
to think the word curious. Stay curious, Anne. Stay curious. Tell me more. Ask this question. Tell me more. Help me understand. Another phrase that I keep in my head that I don't ever say out loud, but it is, I wonder. I like to stay in wonder. I wonder, what is she feeling right now? I wonder, what is she thinking right now? I wonder, what is really troubling her here? Is she afraid she's going to lose her job? Is she afraid as a leader she's going to lose her place? What is really troubling her right now? And then I find that being able to wonder and stay in wonder and curiosity helps me to listen. And asking myself those questions helps me to answer those questions. Now, I know that I'm kind of making some assumptions there, but then I like to check back in. So am I understanding you right? Are you saying here that this company is losing money and you're afraid of going bankrupt? Or am I understanding you correctly here that you're just feeling like I am not delivering the product that I promised to you? So asking those questions of myself and then asking for clarification to check in to see if my assumptions are, are close. And then that gives them the opportunity to kind of respond again. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is more like this. And that is incredibly helpful to listen, to understand rather than to respond. When we get good at managing our emotions, which is so incredibly important and a skill, I do believe it's truly a skill. And the more we practice, the better we can get at it to be able to stay in a place of wonder and curiosity instead of becoming really defensive. As soon as you feel that defensive rising up, you know that you've moved into a place where you're not going to listen anymore. And you want to get yourself back to wonder and curiosity. And asking questions is a great physical way to bring yourself back into curiosity and wonder so that you can truly hear and get a better and get more clarity around what is this conversation really about? Because that's what we want. We want that clarity so we can find some way forward. Yeah. So I, I, I like that part of saying clarify and keep the curiosity and the wondering because that clarification um, helps you as you're listening so that even the assumptions that are popping into your head, you're thinking to yourself, and if you, and if you say it back to the person, is this what you are saying? Am I understanding you correctly? They've got a chance to then tell you, no, that's not what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. I think, I think that's, and, and, and it's, some, it's something that is easy to do, but sometimes we just don't even engage. <laughs> we want to respond and defend ourselves or give a solution prematurely. Which, which doesn't help whatever the conversation is about. Ooh, you just said something brilliant, like more than one thing, but this thing <laughs> that you just said here about sometimes, sometimes we, oh, give that to me again in Puma, that last line that you said. You think I remember <laughs> that you said things prematurely. I don't know what I said. Oh, I got it. Here it is. You said sometimes we want to get to the solution. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's why the we solutions is number three. If we rush through that communication, that second part, and we try to get to a solution first, before we've really heard the full story, we will not get the clarity. You are so right. I love that you said that. And so we do need that that middle part. It's so uncomfortable. It's so awkward. But we need that middle part and we need to stay in that uncomfortable place. And sometimes I think we're uncomfortable with what our body is doing in the midst of, uh, you know, when we get upset and we get um, resentful or we get a little bit of defensiveness, our body kind of vibrates a little bit and we don't like that. And we have to be okay with being a little bit uncomfortable in the midst of a pivotal conversation. It's going to be uncomfortable. It is not going to be your happy place. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. going to be awkward. And I think we need to set up some realistic expectations that it is not going to be just a great place to be. But the value of it, the incredible value of getting that clarity for yourself, for your people, for your organization is, is it's non-negotiable. It, it needs to happen so that we can function well together in community, whether it's an organization or whether it's a business. And so it's in, the one thing about it is keeping those short accounts is incredibly helpful because if this has been going on for an extended period of time, there's going to be more conversations needed, multiple conversations that are going to be needed to get to the bottom of what is really happening and what's really going on. And so keeping those short accounts is really important to have a better outcome for our pivotal conversations. Wow. And, and, and how easy is this for leaders? You work a lot with, with a number of leaders, but how easy it is um, for them to have these pivotal conversations? Good question. It really depends on the heart of the leader their willingness to listen and hear their people, their ability to be able to value people while still valuing themselves, and their skills. So it's both their competency, and some are so much more competent than others, and some don't even have the heart to be able to communicate, and they need to find the heart, which I believe is actually possible too, but they need to have the willingness to be able to learn how to have heart in the midst of hard conversations. And so it's different for every leader. If a leader sets themselves up as superior than the rest, I know they take more responsibility. But if they don't see their people as peer-to-peer, I think it's much harder for a leader to value their people. Wow. There's a lot that we can talk about. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> when it comes to this topic. And and for me, I think um it's a it's a very I don't want to use pivotal again, but it's a very important um conversation because relationships, whether personal or in the workplace, they break down and they break down and I do not even have the statistics. But I'm going to say 90% of the time because of communication and misunderstandings. Absolutely. And when we can communicate effectively, both at home and at work, and that's what we learned in our marriage in Puma, we would not be where we are today if we had not taken the journey to become better together in both our communication and our care for one another. 
I still remember the day that I was standing in our bedroom and I decided I'm going to care about this. I don't know what's troubling you here, but I'm going to care about this. It was a decision that I made. And out of that decision came the curiosity to ask my husband those questions about like, what are you feeling? What, what is, what is it that you want here? Which eventually enabled him to be able to answer those questions, not right away, but because Mm -hmm. I made that decision to care, leaders can make that decision to care. Then it put me in a place of curiosity and wonder to be able to ask him the questions that we needed to have answered, which took months to be able to answer. By the way, it wasn't a quick fix. But 42 years later, we're still together and we're happier than we have ever been. We're empty nesting. Um, We're dreaming together. Um, I love our life. And I love that I get to do life with him. And often it's the high part of my day to see him come home at the end of the day. And it's, it's good for home and it's good for relation. It's good for relationships at work as well. When we keep those short accounts and continue to have those pivotal conversations that can help us work well together and be happy together. Mm. No, I love that. I really love that. And and I think that that element of saying this happened in your personal life, but you you've seen how it can transform um, different spaces. And and that for me, I think, is the exciting part because it's not just about in a marriage or in that relationship. It's how we've been speaking about work and how this show up in the workplace. And we could take it to, to, to so many different places in a business. How, how does it show up when you're an entrepreneur and you've got employees? And, and as a leader in that space, how do you then have these pivotal, pivotal conversations? Because they're necessarily, and you, you can't run away from them at some point. You can run away for a time. Exactly. (laughs) And then it's going to be just really nasty and really dirty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I know it can be very difficult because you have to dig deep. And and I love the point that you make about checking checking your emotions. And when you check your emotions and and knowing that when your karma it it's it's better than when your your BP is (laughs) your high blood pressure is up there then just walk away from the situation. I think that's very important. Thank you, Anne. So what are the three things that you'd like somebody to take out of this conversation? I want people to know that pivotal conversations are conversations you're already having. They're a skill that you can get better at when you're intentional about growing your curiosity and learning how to manage your emotions so that you can move into a pivotal conversation for a better outcome with your people, whether it is at home or at work. And thirdly, I want people to see the problems that they're facing as the problem instead of seeing their people as the problem. Um, I think it's incredibly helpful to be able to stay in that place of compassion for your people when you see that they're part of the solution, actually, not the problem. And so um, think about that person as 
they're going to help me solve this problem in some way so that they, so that we can create those we solutions together, whether it is at home or at work. Yeah, I like that. Seeing seeing the person and, and not making them the problem. And I think I think that's a very that's that's a perspective. That's a different perspective. Because sometimes we want to just bundle everything. Um, you are the problem. Everything is just in, and it becomes very personal. And, and that then brings other issues in, into the conversation. Yes, and it will not be a good end to the conversation. And we can still continue relationship. And like we said earlier, maybe even work together later on when we end well, even if it means an end for now. Very true. And on that note, <laughs> where do people find you on social media, And Sure. Well, I am on Facebook and our uh, handle is for better forever. And it is the numerical number for better and the numerical number forever. And I have a free resource. Can I share that with your people? Please Luma? do. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, sure. Love to. So we've been talking about pivotal conversations and we've been talking about preparing pivotal conversations. So I have a seven day challenge to help you get ready for your next pivotal conversation. So each day I send a short video with a simple action step for you to take to get ready for your next pivotal conversation. And you can start that right today. You can go to forbetterforever.com forward slash challenge to pick up your uh, free resource our seven-day challenge to get ready. And that really is the best way to stay in touch with me because then you can also sign up for our weekly email. It's called the Tuesday Brew Within because I love my coffee. <laughs> and this is where I send weekly communication tips right to your inbox and how to communicate in a way that aligns with your values. Thank you. I have to say, I really enjoyed our conversation and really thank you for taking the time. It I think it's been an amazing conversation. We take some of these things for granted and we think, ah, but this is communication. We know how to communicate. Like, why is Bume making a big deal about communicating? Like, seriously, you know? <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for showing up. And, and, and I hope you also had a good time. Uh, it was wonderful to be here with you and Puma. Thank you for the conversation and the great questions, which made it an even better interview so I really appreciate you thank you for listening to change conversations if you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms to catch all the latest from me you can follow me on instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Mbedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.